Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale a business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. His name is Ed, uh, the co-founder at Velvet. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's a pleasure. And uh, you have an amazing story. You have founded companies two times. You are an angel investor. You also have your own fund. And uh, you are we have also a, a global overview, even in the amount of languages that, uh, that you speak. But for the ones who didn't have the pleasure to meet you uh, yet, uh, what about introducing yourself and letting us know more uh, about you? Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I'm French born, uh, was living in Paris and in the south of France until I was uh, 11 years old. And then I moved to uh -huh. Brazil. My mother's Brazilian. So um, I arrived in the early 90s in, uh, uh, in Sao Paulo, moving from the south of France. So quite a quite a shock, you know, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, but I, you know, quickly learned what my city? way. In, in the uh, south of France? Sorry to interrupt. So I was living uh, in Monaco. Monaco, got it. Yeah, so I, I moved from Monaco to Sao Paulo. Yeah, <laughs> and and um, then I did. I completed my studies in in Brazil first in a in a French school, which was a good soft landing into uh, right. into Sao Paulo. And then I graduated from the American school in Sao Paulo called Graded. And um, and then as I as I graduated, I, I went to college in in the U.S. at Bentley University in, in right outside of Boston, where I studied mathematics um, and information design, and um, and then you know started. I, I've always worked around the the technology sector. Um, so right after I graduated from college, I uh, joined a large outsourcing technology staffing group in mm -hmm. Boston, um, where I worked for, for a few years until I joined the founding team at uh, Majoritas, uh, which was my first venture experience, right? So um, Majoritas was, and is still today, one of the largest data companies around diplomacy and, and presidential mm -hmm. elections. Um, the companies helped uh, elect over 50 presidents and prime ministers in the world. It's present in, in every geography you can imagine. And I joined the founding team right at the beginning. So helped scale the company from, you know, four to 400. And um, and was really a, a tremendous experience to travel the world and, and work in shaping, you know, different socioeconomic uh, movements and 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 new people coming into power and and so forth and and all with the help of technology right so that was my first uh, uh venture experience right and and then you move it onwards to to build your your first company as a founder uh, officially right because exactly you have, yeah. you have joined material it's, it's almost your first uh venture now that you are with with velvet but uh the right, first one right. you don't have the title kind of <laughs> right. yeah exactly yeah I, I i joined very early but but i i wasn't the one that that created the company and and that the, all that credit goes to the guy who runs it today still who's the ceo lucian who's a phenomenal right. character and a good friend um but then i left the company in 2016 um and then as I as I left, had a little bit of money in my pocket, and and um, was contemplating if I should join a startup that already existed, or if I just just should just start my own. And at that time, my uh, one of my family members in Brazil has a uh, um, content production studio, one of the big ones in in Brazil that does advertising but also feature films series and, and so forth with Netflix and all that in Brazil and um, he asked me to think about a business model that could be the evolution of their business right and um, so I, I went out to went back to the drawing board and put together a business plan uh, hoping that they would seed fund uh, that business right and the what what I came 
uh, out of this study was that the the future of of entertainment is um, is in spatial computing and in in augmented and virtual reality. That's how we're going to mm -hmm. be consuming content in the years to come. Um, you know, there, there's a guy who's who's a Brazilian guy actually that um, created um, the Hololens, which is the new mm -hmm. augmented reality right. headset from Microsoft. Um, and he's actually from Brazil. He's from Belo Horizonte. A guy called Alex Kipman, and uh, mm -hmm. he says that we live in a very peculiar time in history. Um, and that in, in, in the near future, we're going to realize that we've lived through the only 100 years in history of mankind that we were diminished or, or reduced to communicating through a screen. Uh, that right. before this, every interaction, social interaction was in three dimensions and that right. we're going to be coming back to three dimension interactions. Um, through and break that screen through augmented and, and virtual mm -hmm. reality. So today we're so accustomed with cell phones and TVs and computers. Uh, but right. when we look at history through its whole time, um, you know, we're going to realize that that was really a very narrow part of history, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that those uh, new emerging immersive technologies through spatial computing are really going to be the next uh, uh, big wave. So with that in mind, I, I started Arvory, Arvory. Um, that's a um, immersive and interactive storytelling studio focused on telling stories, games, narratives through augmented and virtual reality, right? So we transport our audience into these special uh, story worlds where we you know, bring different games and different uh, uh, cinematic content to the different platforms that exist today. So Oculus, PlayStation, um, right. a lot of Chinese uh, and Asian content platforms as well that are, are emerging mm -hmm. and that are already pretty big. Um, so started Arvory with um, a high school classmate. Actually, he wasn't a classmate. He was a, a bit older than me, but uh, we were at the <laughs> same high school in Sao right. Paulo. He's, uh, I came more from the business background and him from the um, uh, more Technical. of the, the creative and the tech background. Um, Ricardo is his name. And uh, him and I, along with another third co-founder, Rodrigo, um, we started Arvori in early 2017. Um, so about five years ago. And um, then the company grew tremendously over the years. Um, we've you know, raise different rounds of venture capital. We've uh, created, uh, now I think we're on our seventh game being uh, developed today. Uh, wow. We sell our games to over 65 countries, translated in over 20 languages. Um, we were really at the forefront of this movement um, in LATAM even more, but I'd say at a global level wow. as well. Um, and we've won a, a vast amount of, of awards, right? Nowadays, all the major cinematic award uh, uh, ceremonies are, are um, also giving out awards to VR and AR. So mm -hmm. we won a primetime Emmy Award in 2020. Um, Congratulations. Wow. Which was, thank you, which was the first time that Brazil ever um, won any wow. uh, primetime Emmy in any category. And it was the first time actually that Brazil was ever nominated. So um, so that was a pretty big push for uh, for the local content scene. Um, and that really uh, catapulted us into uh, to a different level into the market and you know in the US and in, in Asia. So that's been really great. We also won the, the Venice Film Festival, the Biennale wow. in 2019, which was very uh, important for us. Um, and who knows, you know, maybe maybe one day we'll win an Oscar. That's the, that's the I think, the, big, uh, the, the next big move. So and that's there where you also keep developing your multicultural uh, ties. So I see that you have experience in the US, in Europe, uh, in Asia, in, in Latin. 
um how has been kind of your footprint uh with with that business in terms of uh geographies or regions right so i i've i've always been uh my, my forte is always on the investor relations fundraising um and and i'm more of a zero to one type of person i'm not the one That's... to ten uh so you know i like to get into a business at its uh ideation level um help it we get we complement each other oh <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah and um yeah may, maybe i'll just pass it on to you you know after that please <laughs> <laughs> exactly um but yeah so so really at the ideation level helping the company get structured hire the initial core team raise the initial funds uh then mature all the way to the product market fit phase uh, raise a little bit more capital, and then once the company's structured, I'm ready to move on to my next uh, journey, right? Um, and, and that's what happened with Arvori, right? So Arvori, we've we've scaled the company in different regions. Uh, as I said, you know, our the, the company is really multicultural, both at the team level, but also in the stories we tell. We like to really bring in the Brazilian, um, you know, uh, stories told in Brazil are they don't need to be about the carnaval or the or the football right. uh you know there there are a lot of great amazing stories that are told inside of the city of sao paulo uh and that's the story actually that we won the emmy award with it's called the line it's a love story that happens in the 1920s in sao paulo it's a love wow. story between a paper boy and a flower girl Pedro and Rosa, and you know there there's no folklore and all that. It's just a story that could have happened anywhere else, but it happened in São Paulo. And those are the right. types of stories that we like to 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 tell. So the the multicultural aspect of everything I do and everything I've built is very present in my daily life, um, and also of um, on the investor side, right? I I like to go out and find pockets where people are not maybe mm -hmm. looking as much, right? So um, right. I become pretty strong in, in um, uh, the Bal Baltic uh, countries and, and um, well, countries well, like Romania, like Estonia, um, yeah. uh, and in the Middle East, right? In, in mm -hmm. looking at and, uh, the- Which the is growing a lot, it keeps growing a lot. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, and even more now with the price of oil at this time, right? So um, <laughs> uh, now that, that, you know, the Western world is going through a, a, an economic crisis and a repricing yep. in tech and so forth, I like to say that once the, once the, the sun is setting in the West, it's rising in the East, Just right? So um, yeah. um, now is more than ever the time for founders uh, like myself, like ourselves, right? To be looking yeah. at alternative source of, sources of capital oh. in regions that are unexplored or less explored, like the Middle East, uh, like Estonia, like, uh, you know, other con countries uh, in Eastern Europe, not talking about Russia, obviously, with its all, yeah. all its complications, but there's a lot of pool, of, there's a big pool of capital in a country like Estonia, which yeah. funnily enough is... Um, is has the highest number of unicorns per capita in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting parts of the world for yeah. for each of the businesses that you know. That and we can see the the vibe also and the the energy in in Southeast Asia a region that I'm very passionate about. Uh, Absolutely, as well. That's another one. Definitely, uh, still with uh, a, a post pandemic euphoria. Uh, it seems that. The Western crisis that we are seeing is not affecting them uh, at all, and uh, right, yeah, even way. India, right? I mean, we we do a Good lot point. of business. We we open that that's more fast forwarding with Velvet, right? But um, yeah. we we opened an office in Bangalore um, and been looking, wanted to be a, a local player in India, and mm -hmm. um, it's just amazing to see the growth of the Indian tech ecosystem. Um, it seems like it has not been affected by the crisis. Um, you see, you know, more and more deals in the growth stage, but also in the pre-seed and seed stages. Um, it's it's really amazing. 
so many problems to to be solved. Uh, yeah. Huge market, huge population. So I'm a, a big advocate of solving problems in emerging markets. You know, I think it's um, uh, that's where the alpha is going to come from in the next few years. Um, and it's it's incredible to see the the new Gen Z uh, generation. Right? It's uh, mm -hmm. there. There's a study by Bank of America that says that out of the next ten investors in the world, mm -hmm. eight are coming from going to come from the emerging markets because of the growth of Gen Z, right? So um, it's it's wow. it's incredible to see how how all of the investment ecosystem is going to change from a, a you know few players with big checks to mm -hmm. mass market with small checks and the democratization oh, of access to to that in, to different investment classes in alternative investments so I'm super fascinated about all that amazing so and let's introduce uh velvet so your uh new venture so and now in the fintech space so <laughs> amazing yeah, no, absolutely, uh, absolutely. experiences so so about two years almost two and a half years ago um i reconnected with a with an old uh, high school friend as well, different high schools. He was at the American school in Rio and, and, and I was at the one in Sao Paulo. His name is Carlos. Um, and we reconnected, it was the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and he had, he was very, uh, uh, he was working very closely with a, a family office out of Switzerland. And uh, they were looking to acquire secondary positions in US companies that were about to IPO within a year or two. Um, and he came back to, he came to me with a, a, a few names and I identified some of them that had some friends uh, from back in college times that were um, early employees in those companies in the US and that they were looking for some sort of liquidity on their shares. So we partnered right. up, Carlos and I, he had the money on one side, I had the offering on the other. Uh, mm -hmm. And we started doing deals in the U.S., started with Palantir, then we did Kraken, uh, we did Coinbase, Revolut, Robinhood, wow. um, all with folks that were early employees right before the IPO were afraid of the lockup on their shares, which means that basically once there's an IPO, uh, usually team members are locked up and cannot sell their shares for usually <laughs> six months to a year. Uh, so a lot of people are usually looking for liquidity before the IPO so they can sell and not be at the right. risk of the macroeconomics of the market. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, with that in mind, we joined you know, a few people in each of those companies, five to 10 million bucks uh, per company, and started plugging them into family offices in Switzerland. So we did this wow. many times, uh, six or seven times. And then finally, we did this with Nubank in um in, in Brazil, um, we bought, um, you know, uh, about, you know, a good, good amount of people at Nubank that were looking for liquidity on their shares. Uh, we came in at a good valuation compared to the valuation that, uh, um, you know, was discussed right before the IPO. Um, and we did a great deal, right? Uh, we were doing a lot more returns in six months to a year uh, than in any right. other investments that we had done in the past. Um, so... Uh, and, and then we looked at the maturity of the secondary market in the U.S. versus LATAM and other emerging markets. Mm -hmm. And just to give you a few numbers. So um, in 2021, the U.S. transacted about $330 billion in primary transactions in venture capital. Um, and at the same time in 2021, transacted $100 billion in secondary transactions in tech, right? So we're talking about 30% here. While yeah. in LATAM, 2021 had $16 billion in primary transactions in VC mm -hmm. and only 100 million in secondary. So we're talking about 0.6% wow. versus 30% in the US, right? But. At the same time, we see very solidified secondary trading platforms in the US that are helping drive those 100 billion mm -hmm. in transactions. Um, companies like Forge, like uh, NASDAQ private markets. NASDAQ even created a private market division just to mm -hmm. trade those shares before the IPO, right? Um, and nothing happening in that time, right? 
very, very little, no trustworthy secondary platform. All of the secondary transactions that are happening in Brazil or in Mexico or in neighboring countries are all happening in an informal way or tied to primary transactions in Series B, Series C, Series D rounds, right? Um, so at that point, we said, wow, there's a massive opportunity here to be the secondary trading platform and the secondary partner uh, and the secondary player for transactions in Latin America Amazing. and other emerging mm -hmm. regions, right? So that's how Velvet was born. With a quick PowerPoint in November of last year, we raised our, our seed round. Um, we're still the, you know, the the high of the high, right, of uh, of the market. So um, also, you know, I had founded other companies in the past. We had some track record of operating this right. sort of business in the U.S. in an informal way. Um, so very quickly, we we raised uh, three and a half million bucks from <laughs> funds like GFC and Headline, um, and also a very solid angel investors. Um, one of the co-founders of Newbank was uh, uh, is is one of our angel investors and many other oh, ones co-founder of iFood and, and and other ones joined the cap table. Um, and and we started a, an initial core team, which is what I love to do. You know, build a, an initial team, build I some see. technology around it, and um, and started you know doing deals. Um, uh -huh. So we we uh, quickly allocated capital in secondary transactions in companies like Nuve Shop, like King Tuandar, like Open, which is the largest neobank in India today, like the New Bank of India. Um, right. We also invested in Credi Justo, who is now called Covalto, which is the first fintech in the world to own a bank out of Mexico. They're going for their IPO now um, uh, in the next couple of months. Um, and, and since then, we, we've grown the company, uh, grown the team. We um, also uh, pivoted a little bit when we found our moat um, to become the liquidity as an HR benefit provider of the ecosystem. So today, what we do is that we partner with companies at a Series B and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, and for the course of three years, um, we offer their employees, ex-employees, and other stakeholders, early stage funds, angel investors, etc., cetera, uh, the wow. right to cash out on a portion of their shares on a recurring wow. manner. So once a year or twice a year through Velvet, they can tap into liquidity, um, and we take whatever sourcing we have of shares of the, that specific company, and we can underwrite a portion of it ourselves or we can bring those shares to the market through our relationship with private banks, multifamily offices, and other investors in the region. So that's how we operate. That's amazing. And do you think that in terms of one of the main issues I think about uh, tack, um, tapping into emerging markets is understanding the timing, right? And how do we adapt the what's the, the platform that you saw and the opportunity that you saw in the US to, to LATAM? So uh, how were you able to figure out, okay, this is the timing to get into this market and this market will grow a lot in the, in the upcoming uh, 10 years? Well, what, what I looked was, first of all, the size of the, of the market in the US and how it's grown in secondaries right. in the last 10 years. Uh, and the reason why it's grown is because there's a lot more companies at a mature scale, exactly. uh, which is the moment now in LATAM and other uh, regions in emerging markets. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, I looked at there are 200 VCs competing for deals in LATAM today on from the early stage to the IPO, right? Mm -hmm. um, in the primary uh, uh, side, right? So primary rounds. Right. There are absolutely zero, there are zero VCs today, over $100 million in AUM competing on the secondary side. So uh, we, we looked at this and we were like, okay, instead of competing with everyone else, why don't we go into this blue ocean, start fishing here as much as possible. There others will come, obviously, but if we can have a first mover advantage, we have the capital to deploy, yeah. we build a strong brand, a strong team, then you know we can soon enough become the largest secondary player in the market. And that right. secondary market is going to, uh, over the next 10 years, correspond to 30% of the total market. Uh, right. And you know, instead of competing with everyone else, we can act alone, right? 
And For now. this kind of connects with your investor angle, right? So maybe you were also thinking about how do you differentiate yourself as an angel investor, uh, also with your uh, own fund at uh, Rivercrest. Uh, is it also connected in, in kind of uh, uh, combining the two ads, being a founder and also uh, being an investor? So, uh, of course, it, it is clear that you are a builder as you have identified as yourself. So you sure. like to build and you like to help people to build things. Um, <clears throat> did it all connected with your experience also as an investor or it wasn't nothing related to, to that? Yeah, so I, I look at the whole uh, ecosystem as a flywheel, right? So, yeah. and, and for us at Velvet, that's very important to understand yeah. that our clients of today are providing liquidity to their employees. Their employees, a good portion of them are going to take the liquidity they receive. They're going to become founders themselves. Good point, yeah. Right, those founders are going to scale their companies at to, up to a point okay. where Investors, they yeah. might become velvet clients, and then they'll have a team that they provide liquidity. That team will become Love founders, it. and that uh, flywheel is very interesting. And that's what really builds the ecosystem, right? That's what you see with PayPal in the right. U.S. That's how you're we're seeing right now with Rappi, with Loft, with Quinto Andar, with Nuving Shop, with some of the large tech companies in Brazil. Uh, they've already created breeds of new founders that have themselves created breeds right. of new founders. And that's how we build uh, the, the entrepreneurial uh, uh, ecosystem in, in the region. And that's very important. So um, what the was missing effect. here? Right. Sorry. Yeah, the yeah, mafia absolutely. Effect, right. yeah, the mafia effect, right. Uh, and what was missing here was how can I uh, help the folks that are receiving liquidity on the velvet side and that want to become founders themselves, how can I help them be successful, right? So that they can become a velvet client down the road. So um, I can help them by, you know, maybe putting an angel check there. I can help them by bridging their relationships with other venture capital funds that are very close to velvet and close to me as an individual. Um, help them with recruiting, help them find their product market fit. So today I spend, I say, I'd say a, a good amount of time uh, aside from my time at Velvet, also involved with helping founders, you know, go from that zero to one, right? So that, yeah. then Velvet can come and help them on their one to 10. So um, uh, that's a big portion of what I do. And that's, I, I, uh, Carlos and I, who's my co-founder at Velvet, we started Rivercrest, which is a, um, I, I can't really call it a fund because it's, uh, it's, it's too small to be a fund at this point, but uh, we've done 23 investments in the last uh, two years together. Um, we're, you know, small symbolic 20 to 50K checks um, where it's a lot more than just the money, right? We, we, we want to help out and, and, right. and be as, as uh, uh, helpful as possible. So Rivercrest is a via investment vehicle that looks into uh, uh, financing the operators of today that want to become the founders of tomorrow. And we're in the process of, of professionalizing the Rivercrest efforts and building uh, an early stage fund as well that will have larger, a bit larger checks and that can be more supportive along the way to those founders. So that's not ready yet, but we'll be announcing it soon enough. And that will be more on the velvet side than the, the Rivercrest side. Love it. And for the ones who are listening, it's also interesting to understand your story and how you were able to leverage your strengths. So kind of finding your ikigai, uh, what I'm good at, what I love to do, and what I what, what can I make money off. So in a certain way, uh, adding value to society, having fun doing it, uh, being super strong at that, and and uh, creating value. Uh, in another words, it's it's very exciting to understand your story in in that perspective and how it keeps going. And I'm um, I'm super curious to see uh, how the next two decades will look like for for you because I can see that you will not you will not stop. <laughs> given, given yeah, your I, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and, and velvet for me was the. Um, it was the the true representation of of who I am, right? Because uh, and it took me a long time to get there. And and Velvet is a business that was created uh, that is just an extension of who I am, 
right? Uh, mm -hmm. And so everything I'm excited about, everything I love doing and I do best is what Velvet does today, right? So um, I, I, different than Arvori, which is uh, a, a massive business opportunity, probably mm -hmm. uh, uh, larger than what Velvet does today, as because it's going to impact a whole new generation of, of communication in general uh, through technology. Uh, but Arvori was a lot more of me coming in with my business mindset to help the company as a business to grow right. and to scale, right? But I'm not the core of Arvori, right? The core mm -hmm. of Arvori is Ricardo and the team and all the guys that are making those amazing story worlds, right? And the, those games. While Velvet um, is really the core of who I am. So it's really exciting for me to be building a business that I wake up in the morning and I know that what I'm going to do during that day is what I would do if I had Velvet or if I didn't have Velvet, because right. that's really who I am. It's right? the best so way. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. I like kind of building the ecosystem and making the, the ecosystem grow. It's it's super uh, exciting. If you would have to kind of summarize in two or three topics um, about what has been some of your lessons uh, as an angel investor and also as a founder, uh, what would you say? And, and you can start by one or can mix them. Uh, sure, sure just, sure. just go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Well, number one is routine, right? Um, that, that's something that I've learned to um, uh, to ingrain in, in, in my day-to-day. -day, and it's what I think is the one of the most important parts of, of being successful as an entrepreneur is for you to have a routine, for you to have to be able to get organized, um, to focus 100% of your uh, of your efforts in that specific slot of time. And then once you're moving on to something else, you forget about the other part and you focus again 100% of your time on that other specific slot. Um, eat well, exercise, meditate, sleep well. All of that is, is extremely important, right? So um, I, I try to do all those things within 24 hours. Um, and, and many people say, oh, it's, I don't have time, right? I, I, I don't have time to exercise or I, I can't find time to meditate or I, and, and you do have time. You just need to plan accordingly. Uh, today, I'm also a father of two. So I also have to fit that into That's my agenda. Great. Also scaling um, up on the family yeah. side. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, that, that's also very important. So I'd say one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to be well-organized and have a routine. Um, second thing is, is uh, uh, try not to waste time with things that are really not, that don't really matter, right? So um, many times during, you know, the, the, our, the, our growth as an, uh, as an individual and as, a, as an entrepreneur, we get distracted. We have a right. tough time saying no. Um, so we say too many yes. And, right. and that's just a waste of time, right? Uh, so being true to ourselves as what's our mission, what's our vision, what do we want to accomplish and be able to say no to everything else so that we can stay focused to the things that matter is, is right. very important, right? Uh, and that's also another lesson that I've learned. I, I, I'm no expert, but, uh, but you know, I've been trying to be better at that for sure. Um, and then the, the last thing I'd say is giving back. Um, I, I, I try to have a, a give first mentality uh, today. Um, and, and that's been extremely helpful because, um, you know, the, the, in, in the tech and venture world, uh, it's a lot about helping others in order to help ourselves. Um, and so, so being able to give back first has been really important for me in the last few years, right? So mm -hmm. I try to, again, take some time out of my, my schedule to, to help other founders, to uh, see how I can, you know, connect people um, and also uh, pledge some of my time to, to, to charity. I've been trying to do this mm -hmm. more and more. Uh, I think that I'm Amazing. also now in, in more of a mature part of my of my professional life where, you know, I've already made some capital where I can, you know, right. I can 
also uh, uh, be less worried um, uh, about the the paycheck Definitely. at the end of the month, and that's been yeah. really important for my sanity. And it, it hasn't been like this for most of my life, but mm -hmm. now that it is, I can I can start looking at ways of of giving back through charity and through things that matter to me and to my family. I try to get my kids involved in that decision-making. So I joined something called the Founders Pledge, which is something I really recommend. Um, it's a group of very, very intelligent individuals that have an asset management approach, approach to giving back. Um, and I work closely with them to, you know, to find ways where I can also bring other people and donate my time and money. To, to different causes. So that's, that's also important for me. Love it. Uh, I love that, that initiative. I was quite close to it in, in especially in the UK, uh, where it was quite yeah. uh, famous. They're in the UK. Uh, yeah, they're, they're based in the UK. Exactly. I, I was thinking also if they were, I think that they are more and more present in, in the US as, uh, as well, I imagine, but I think it all started in the UK. Uh, at right. Least I had, You're absolutely I right. Mind. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's that's a great uh, initiative, and it shows a lot about the ecosystem and having founders of the largest unicorn tech companies uh, pledging um, their their profits and uh, the value that they create to share a, a little bit of a, a piece of the pie um, with, um, with 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 other people. Uh, it's it's really uh, very inspiring. Awesome. Uh, and, and we can see that it's it's very interesting because also uh, sometimes we forget being an investor in a certain way. It's also being a founder of, uh, again, of, uh, of, uh, of an asset, of a fund, and also you need to differentiate yourselves and fundraise, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's curious to see how, we, how you are mixing uh, all those mindsets as, as we discuss it. Um, I know that you you are based in Sao Paulo. You moved there. Um uh, when you were 11 years old, as you said in in the beginning, so there is also a, a passion or a emotional connection with with LATAM. Uh, I see that you love emerging markets. Uh, how do you see the evolution of the ecosystem? I think that you also have a, a good plane or even helicopter view about the evolution of the ecosystem, and especially with Velvet, you also see uh, that it will grow in a lot in the last in in the next 10 years. Well. I I think it's um, it's you know we're we're living in you a complete new world nowadays where where folks who are going you know graduating from college are uh, choosing to become entrepreneurs sooner than before. Uh, that's a that's an an effect that happened in the U.S. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, and and we're seeing it now in 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 Brazil and other countries in Latam. Um, I think that the you know the growth in capital. Uh, in the region has really fueled that. Uh, people uh, kind of start dissociating now the notion that for you to be an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you're going to have to do it all by yourself and nobody's going to be able to support you with, with capital. Uh, that, that view doesn't really exist anymore. I think that now folks with good ideas, even out of college, are coming out and are being funded and... and, right. and Getting enough capital to to get their business going. Um, at the same time, you know it's 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 very difficult to be an entrepreneur in Brazil. Um, it's you know it's probably one of the countries, the hardest countries to do to do business with mm -hmm. in the ranking. Uh, um, you know of, of 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 those countries. Uh, there's a lot of difficulties with with taxes and 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 being able to uh, hire people, fire people, and so forth. So it's not as friendly, but I think it's evolving. Um, we're, we're seeing new laws, uh, startup laws being passed, a bit like in, in Portugal and in, in uh, uh, Europe in general and in the US and other, other countries in, in the region. So I think it's going to get better and better. Um, we're going through a tough moment now um, in 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 you know, in alternative assets in general, uh, I, God knows how long it's going to take to recover, but I'm, I'm, I'd like to see the, the glass half full and not half empty. So mm -hmm. um, I also think that different than other more developed nations, Brazil and, and LATAM in general is used to volatility, is used right. to operating in times of uncertainty. Um, 
And because of that, we've positioned ourselves uh, sooner than the rest in fixing a lot of the, um, of the interest rates and, and uh, uh, being able to hold off a little bit more of inflation. So um, out of all of the uh, uh, global uh, ecosystem of tech, I'd say that emerging countries and LATAM uh, uh, mostly is, is going to come out of this quicker than the rest. Um, and so I, I'm very excited to see what, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. I'm very bullish. Uh, I think a lot of uh, uh, the problems that still need to be solved in the region are still unsolved. So different from the US where new tech companies are basically just iterations of other companies that had emerged before, uh, here in, in, in Brazil and, and the rest of LATAM, we're seeing real innovation, right? To, to solve people's problems. Same thing as in India as well. And, and that's what really excites me, right? So fixing problems in infrastructure, in education, in health, in social inclusion, financial inclusion, that's all very exciting. We saw a huge pile of investment coming from the US and from uh, global funds being more and more interested in, into, into LATAM. So for instance, Andreessen Horowitz, Founders Fund, General Catalyst, et cetera, et cetera. Do, do, you, do you think that this will be sustained over time or they will be a little bit more afraid and, and come back into, into their own uh, regions of comfort? Or do you think this is already a trend that will not stop even with uh, the economic downturn that, that we are facing at the moment? No, I think it's irreversible at this point. I think okay. they're here to stay. Um, they, you know. they understand <laughs> the opportunity. Um, but at the same time, uh, that doesn't mean that the flow of capital will just continue increasing. Exactly. He increase, it increases and decreases depending on the moment and the investor appetite and the macroeconomics in general. Um, but I think it's here to stay. I think that the, um, um, the foreign investor is a lot less worried about the political scenario here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in the U.S. now over the last few weeks and speaking with different investors, and they seem uh, to have priced whether, you know, it was Lula or Bolsonaro, whoever was going to win. And it's Lula now, and it's 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 okay anyways. Uh, yeah. it, it would have been okay if it was Bolsonaro as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think they see uh, um, Brazil or the rest of Latin America as problematic as we see it sometimes here being local right that, that that's a great point that they they make the decision and they need also because they are getting more and more uh lps and more capital to invest so it is impossible to them to to start only looking into the us or europe uh, so they need to expand the, their geographies uh, and so they need to have in mind when they do that decision that there are risks that they need to take and and those risks are what we have been seeing uh, in 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 the last weeks in during the the election and it's normal it's part of the game so and they have committed to the game so I, I like the way uh, you see it so let's go into the last segment uh, of the show uh, where we ask you kind of free self-reflective questions and, and free questions about resources that uh, the audience always uh, likes to to share what what uh, each other are consuming in terms of content. Um, so let's go with the, with the first one. If you would have a, the opportunity to have a coffee uh, with your younger heads, maybe at the beginning of Velvet, or if you want to go a little bit um, earlier on, on your career or uh, on your journey, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Um, I would say be patient, be resilient. Uh, building great companies and extracting value takes time and there are no shortcuts. Um, I think that would be the main message to my younger self today. Um, there are obviously all the learnings that I mentioned earlier uh, that are very important that I would have uh, told myself as well. <laughs> but I think the main message is be patient, be resilient, stay true to yourself um, and, and try to be uh, the least distracted as possible, right? Block the noise. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. Block the noise, yeah. 
uh, or use the kind of the AirPods <laughs> or, or even those uh, headphones that, that block the noise uh, out, especially yeah. in times of turbulence, right? So as we do in planes, for instance, uh, that's a, good, a great analogy. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great analogy. I, I'm, I'm catching a plane later on today, so hopefully no, no turbulence. <laughs> so and what are you the most proud of on your journey so far um well I, i'm proud of having dealt with most of my my weaknesses and my major issues of of the past and so about about two and a half years ago um i i went into kind of a a self um journey uh, a journey into myself to kind of revisit some of the insecurities I had in, in, in my childhood, in my adolescence, in my early adulthood. And, and one by one, I started to um, correct them, right? So first of all, by accept, accepting them, then by telling people about them uh, and, and, and kind of opening myself and, and taking those insecurities out of my own body and my own uh, uh, mind. Um, and, and, and finally, by... Uh, making a promise to try to never do them again, right? Um, so, and, and it's it's incredible. Uh, I, I, I've become quite spiritual over the years. Um, and that's also sure. something that I've developed later on in life. But um, it's amazing how all of us, we have, uh, you know, insecurities or, or, or problems that we've had to, um, uh, you know, maybe pretend to be someone we're not, um, because of those insecurities and so forth. And it, it's amazing how uh, verbalizing them, telling people about them, re uh, accepting them and, and saying that you're, you won't do them again, how powerful that is uh, mm -hmm. and how that can unlock a lot of, um, you know, energetic uh, um, holdoffs that we might, holdups that we might have in our life and that the moment we put them out, it seemed like like it just unlocks it and brings us a lot of good things. So um, that that I would say is the the proudest I have been of of my journey is is going through those learnings. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to to be public about that, and it's it's a great example. Uh, I do a lot of that work myself as well. Uh, still a lot to to be done to um, to, but. Uh, but definitely, it's it's super important in the world that is uh, that we are at uh, the speed of Formula One, especially in the in the tech world and and, and VC backed world. Sometimes it's very easy to um, to not be able to see ourselves in the eyes and and, and talk to ourselves. So to be always uh, going away, not sure how to find the word to say it, but uh, not not yeah. being able to meet ourselves and, and, uh, and talk to ourselves. That's what what you said a lot of times during this show. Uh, yeah. Stay true, uh, stay true uh, to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worst yeah. advice ever received. <laughs> my God, that 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 probably was my mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't start the business. Came from, came, came from my exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think her um, and, and it, it was the same advice that went all the way to maybe you know maybe two years ago. Uh, where she always told me, my son, go find a real job, you know, go have something uh, uh, more it. secure. <laughs> you need to provide to your family and, and, you know, go look for a salary. Don't, don't dream about things that are unachievable. And you and, have kids now, please. Yeah, you have kids now, so you need to, you know, be mindful of them. And, um, and I think that was the worst advice she gave me. And thankfully, I didn't. Uh, but again, it, it, it was the worst advice for me, right? Which doesn't mean it could be the best advice for someone else, right? So it's very individual. But for me, I think that going against the will of my mother that I would have gone the, the, the corporate trajectory um, was the best thing uh, for me. And, and it also felt very good somehow, weirdly, uh, to prove her wrong, right? Um, and, and to prove her that going after chasing my own dreams and, and building something out of nothing <laughs> and achieving that was also, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the best thing. And, and quite frankly, maybe I've also made it because I had to prove her wrong, right? Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so 
that was, I think, the worst Thanks, advice <laughs> I've received was from my mother. Yeah. So, and now the, the resources, your favorite book, business or non-business? So that, that has to be the king of oil. Um, I'm not sure if you've read that one, but uh, it's the story of, uh, of Mark Rich. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Rich was the largest trader in the world at one point, and he was responsible for, um, you know, maybe at one point, sixty percent of the oil trading transactions wow. in the world, um, and that had a lot of geopolitical implications. Um, mm -hmm. He became at one point, I think, you know, one of the richest, if not the richest man in the world, uh, but always under the radar. So if you ask anybody who's Mark Rich, 99.9% right. of the people will tell you they've never heard of him. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a, a really important book for my, a lot oh, of my right. learnings. Um, and, and so, yeah, The King of Oil. Great addition to our resource list. So favorite movie or series? So favorite movie, Good Will Hunting. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, as a mathematician and also as, as, as the whole story in itself, it's just beautiful. Um, fantastic. Older movie, right? But, um, you know, Robin Williams at its peak and, and um, uh, Matt Damon and yeah, fantastic yeah, exactly. uh, movie. Um, and series, I'd say Succession. Love mm -hmm. Succession. Yeah, it's one of the right. newest ones, but yeah, it's been very entertaining. And finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. Well, excluding this one. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Much I, easier I for I, you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. Uh, so I'll give you two from uh, LATAM and two from uh, the US. Cool. Um, yeah. So starting with LATAM, I really like... It's a Spanish-speaking podcast about startups and tech um, called Cracks uh, by a guy called Oso Trava, Ostaldo Trava. Um, he's also very close to, I know him individual, uh, individually, he's, he's close to us at Velvet and has been uh, of tremendous help for us in Mexico. And I think the quality of his podcast is really amazing. Um, also really like FinTech Leaders by Miguel Armaza from Gilgamesh Ventures, uh, English language. Um, and and really good quality. Miguel is a very entertaining guy, uh, very savvy. Um, also had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. Had lunch with him a few weeks ago. Great, great guy. Um, and then from the U.S., I love uh, How to Get Rich by Naval. Uh, probably you know you probably have that answer a few times. Uh, but not not yet. It's it's the first oh, really? time in the show. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, so Naval Ravikant, great mind, um, you know, uh, love his book also, The Almanac by Naval Ravikant, another yeah. great book to put on, on the list, Absolutely. but his podcast, How to Get Rich, it's really, really fun and entertaining, um, and also acquired by uh, Ben Gilbert, right, um, that's, that's a, a really good one. Ed, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. I think that you added so much value to, to the community and to the show. Thanks you so much Thank for making so the much, time. Mike. Thank you for, for the opportunity. Cheers. My pleasure. And, and to the community, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier from 0 to 1, 1 to 10, and 10 to 100. See you soon and keep scaling.